salute, salute, salute. Peace, love, and more light. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. And I'm just here to shine my light your way. Hope you find the light switch. And of course, keep your light lit. So, today's topic. Marijuana gentrification. Marijuana gentrification. We all heard of gentrification, right? It's when, you know, they raise the property value up in the area and build up, uh, you know, infrastructure that maybe the townspeople couldn't afford to patronize or could afford to live at. But we know what gentrification is and we all know what marijuana is. So this is part two of the marijuana study that I did. The first one was the cannabis reparations, right? And the dangers of the lab-made military medical marijuana. And if you haven't checked out that episode, uh, go directly to my podcast, Third Eye High. 3RD, the letter I, the word high, H-I-G-H. You can find the podcast on all streaming platforms, Amazon, Apple, Anchor, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast content, you can find the Third Eye High podcast. So I wanted to go over this uh, developing story, right? Because it's still ongoing in terms of the magnitude and the detriment that it's going to cause to one particular community, right? Now, everyone is... uh, up in up in arms and they're like well this new marijuana boom is going to make a lot of people rich you know a lot of people get to get in on the market and now they can sell cannabis and you know it's going to fund tax dollars and it's going to pay for you know education and all this all this shit they pitched to us but when you really get to the gist of it none of that's taking place in fact like every other boom They keep the so-called melanated communities out of the incentives. So now they have a $200 million cannabis fund in New York City alone, right? And this $200 million cannabis fund is supposed to help, you guessed it, minorities. It's supposed to help minorities, right? It's supposed to help those that were previously incarcerated by marijuana charges, myself included, they saying that we have access to this $200 million in terms of getting loans and helping us to obtain license when all of this shit is capped. None of the money has left the fund. In fact, the only people that were tapping into the fund are government entities and nonprofit organizations that have institutions aligned with the government. So, on the face, they push this legislation that's supposed to help the people they harmed, when yet they're looking at us just like customers all over again. Now, I wanted to highlight this particular story because I'm going to show the contrast between one race of people that get access to this marijuana boom and another race of people that are purposely left out right so now this isn't one of those bills oh we're complaining and nothing ever comes to our people 
This build is to give our people the information so we can rev up this conversation because they're overlooking us, right? The, the only situation where they were trying to help us out, they didn't say, well, let's give loans to entrepreneurs that have an understanding of selling marijuana because they were incarcerated for it. They were penalized for it, fined for it. Nah, we're not going to really do that. We're going to look out for every other race. And we're going to still criminalize them. Because you have some of our people trying to do the entrepreneurial route and the extensive uh, paperwork for these licenses and, you know, the criteria and all this other stuff is set up on its face to help us. But it's really to keep us locked out yet again. So when a lot of our people take the initiative to say, you know what? All right, I'm going to get me a truck and I'm going to sell, you know, legal marijuana around the city. Their truck gets confiscated. All their products get seized, even though the marijuana is legal. But then you have other races that have storefronts. They don't even have a license, but they got storefronts selling marijuana. And nobody closes the store down. Nobody locks them up. It's less policing on other races. Doesn't that sound familiar? Because <laughs> when the war on drug was on, the only war was on so-called black and brown people, melanated communities, so-called poor people, right? But as soon as the drugs become legal, <laughs> the people that weren't victims of the drug war are the first people that are allowed to set up shop and set up business. You got soccer moms selling weed all through New York City. <laughs> this shit is crazy. But when you have, you know, so-called black and brown communities that want to say, well, you know, I'm going to create my own uh, mobile dispensary. They seize their vans. They try to sell weed on the street like you did back in the day. The cops tell you, get off the block. They try to find a way to give you a citation. But you know, you can have up to two ounces of marijuana on you and they can't do anything some places are gifting the marijuana so technically they didn't sell it so it's all these loopholes in the legislation but then you have the taxation and all this other crazy shit like i'm not going to spend 26 dollars for a dub like we're not doing that no weed smoker is going to spend that extensive tax on top of the price he already paid for his weed. And that's why all these other independent dispensaries or unlicensed dispensaries are going to flourish. But then there's a problem too. You have a lot of dispensaries that are pushing this Frankenstein marijuana. Now, I want you to really go to the first uh, build I did on the podcast about the cannabis reparations because this uh, lab-made medical marijuana or military grade marijuana. A lot of this stuff is being sold to these unlicensed dispensaries and licensed, right? So we're not trying to, you know, make it seem like, well, you got to go to a licensed place to get the official shit. Nah, a lot of that stuff where you'll see that, for instance, it's a government agency that put out the first dispensary in New York City. They have one in, in Village, right? <laughs> they got one, you know, near the so-called middle class, right? But, you know, all these crackheads in the Village, too, right? It ain't, so don't be, don't be fooled. New York City is a, a crazy melting pot. But I say that to say this. That first dispensary opened up, and it was a nonprofit organization. Another dispensary opens up, and they are an AIDS foundation, and they help homeless people. 
So you mean to tell me an AIDS foundation that helps homeless patients, what are they gonna do? Hire these AIDS patients to work in their dispensaries? Like, like why won't you help these people create their own businesses so they can be a part of this? Nope, we're gonna be workers yet again. So they don't hire these people or on, under the guise of, you know, we're trying to help out the community. They were one of the first uh, companies to get a license, right? Now there's only allegedly 27 license as of to date given out for, you know, medical marijuana or to sell marijuana, right? 27 licenses given out, a total of 37 applications approved, but there were 900 plus applications submitted. <laughs> See the problem here? And a lot of these applications were by the so-called black and brown community, people that were affected by the war on drugs, arrested for selling marijuana that's now legal. And it's so hard to obtain one of these licenses. And if you do have a license, you have to show proof of concept that you've been in business for two years. Wait a minute, my nigga. How can I prove I'm in business for two years if y'all just passed the law to make marijuana legal? How can I prove my proof of concept if I legally can't operate as a business? See how that shuts people out? So then they have a criteria for you to be eligible to access some of the $200 million in the cannabis fund. You have to have been incarcerated previously for the distribution of marijuana. Now, most of the people in the black and brown community were prime candidates for that. But now here's the, here's the downside. Okay, you got the arrest record that says, you know, I was a victim of this war on drugs and I should be first in line to receive this funding, you know, to set up my legal business, but then what they do in reverse. Oh, you don't have the capital. You got to have access to at least 100,000, 200,000 in capital. How many minorities have that? How many of us can come to a bank with a business plan and the bank's going to give you a loan for a legal dispensary? Not going to happen. But then you have these nonprofits that are backed by these government entities. They can go to Bank of America and, and get a loan to open up a dispensary. In fact, they did just that. And they opened a dispensary across the street from the historical Apollo Theater in Harlem, New York. Wait a minute, what are you talking about, brother? You mean to tell me there's a marijuana dispensary gonna be opening across the street from the historical Apollo Theater? That's correct, brother. So you're saying that they lock out the minorities from accessing the funds, the people that they harmed on the war on drugs, they raised all this money to say that they're gonna now help the people they harmed. And yet they lock us out of creating a business for ourselves. And they set up shop and create a fucking dispensary right in the middle of the hood. So yet they make us consumers opposed to CEOs. It's kind of that slave mentality that never goes away. Let's make these niggas workers. Yeah, they got weed expertise. Let's make them workers for us. This shit is disturbing. So what's crazy about that? I'm going to go into that story a little bit later. Nobody asked the community about putting up a dispensary in the middle of the hood. Try to do that in the Jewish community. You're going to have a problem. Try to do that in the Asian community. You're going to have a problem. But so-called black and brown communities aren't communities. We just 
places that people could set up shop and get paid, right? The Asians know it. You just come to the so-called black community, you get you a bulletproof glass, and you can sell Chinese food to these niggas for generations. You can be an Arab, dirt poor in your country, come here tomorrow, get you a bulletproof glass, set up a corner store, and sell toxic food to them for generations. This is what's happening. And now these same races, the Asians, the the, the Jews, the, the Arabs, the Indians, they're all selling weed out their stores. Nobody's getting arrested. Nobody's getting fined. But the minute you try to set up a store selling weed, they're going to make you the prime suspect all over again. I watched this happen. I watched people of the so-called black and brown community. I watched them set up mobile uh, dispensaries and I watched the cops pull them over and give them a citation. And then I go a block down and I'll see a European that has a fucking storefront with no marijuana license, bright lights on, selling this shit right on 8th Avenue. So what is going on here? Now there are certain people that police this, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later too. They created the um, the office of cannabis cannabis management, so they have the office of cannabis management task force, right? And this is ran by the sheriff department. So the sheriff department is supposed to be policing these illegal dispensaries. Now here's the thing: so far as of yet, they have two legal dispensaries in New York City, only two that are set up by nonprofit and government agencies. They were the first to obtain the license, but they said minorities would be the first to obtain a license, which was bullshit, right? And we don't have the capital like these corporate companies do because they have the corporate sponsorship. And speaking of the $200 million cannabis fund, there's a conflict of interest because you got partial owners in the cookies brand that allegedly are responsible for raising the money. So are they raising this fund to tap the fund and the people that only have access to the fund are a special list of friends of course you know how this works <laughs> you gotta know somebody in this business in all business so what's crazy about this shit the sheriff's supposed to police all this but it's not really happening they saying there's tens of thousands of legal illegal dispensaries all throughout new york city operating right now as we speak there's only two legal ones that are ran by the government and these two legal dispensaries one of them the community didn't vote for this to be in the community now you know how historical 125th is 125th street some of our great leaders and lecturers martin luther king malcolm x they all walked those streets and spoke on 125th now we know it's been plagued by drugs and crime and all this stuff since then but there is history there but what the people are saying that the crime is going to increase if you put this fucking million dollar expense million dollar dispensary in the middle of the hood who's going to police it who's going to stop the people from getting robbed or the tourists from getting robbed that's coming out of these shops are they trying to just create more crime in our community so they can run over there and tax our community because the only people going to be arrested are, are our people but if you gave them access to these funds like you promised, these people could get legitimate businesses and they could sell legal marijuana, just like the soccer moms are doing. So we're talking about a world of marijuana gentrification. 
And this will continue because as of numbers, we don't have a body politic. And what am I talking about? I'm going to go into that a little bit later too. Because as I said, the people in Harlem didn't even know they were putting up a dispensary <laughs> across the street from the Apollo until the lease was already signed and they already had a, a grand opening date set. And this is the governor of New York City that's behind the push of this dispensary. Nobody told the people, nobody said, hey, we ain't got to tell nobody in city council. We ain't got to tell none of your niggas or none of you politicians because most of your politicians sold you out. Where the fuck is Al Sharpton at? Al Sharpton didn't go to the community and take a poll and say, hey, y'all want weed in the hood? Because they say we were so much of a nuisance when we sold weed any other time. But now everybody else can sell weed. And it's the best thing since sliced bread out this motherfucker. Everybody got nice marketing campaigns and, and benefits for weed when we were ostracized and, vil and vilified because we were selling something that people wanted to buy. And as of yet, I have yet to see one person die from marijuana consumption. But yet alcohol is legal. <laughs> and thousands of people die every year from that. Cigarettes are legal and thousands of people die every year from those also. So I want to go into something, right? Because I'm painting a particular picture and I just want our people to equip ourselves to see the, the future that's unfolding in front of us, right? Because everybody, yeah, it's legal and this and that. But, but if you're cut out of an industry, a multi-billion dollar industry, you're okay with that? They cut you out of the tech sector. All of these, these, these new uh, modes of making money, they have grants and funding set aside. Keyword minority, because that's the easiest way to get a bill pushed. We're trying to do something for the poor people, the little guy, the minority. But let me give you a tip, so-called black and brown people. Minority is cold word for anyone that isn't a European. So which means the East Indian can also get access to that fund because he's a minority. The Asian can also get access to the fund because he's a minority. The Indian, the Chinese, all of these, these other races, and that's what they're doing. But here's the difference. When they go foul, they bring their cousin, their uncle, their nephew, the next door neighbor, right? They bring one body of people. We hear about some shit, we might tell another brother or sister, and everybody's for themselves. Because I know of three people, so-called black people, that were approved for the license. They don't even have a capital. They don't even have capital to start with. Many of them don't even have a brick and mortar. In fact, when they approved the license, the government couldn't even tell them what access or what location they could place their brick and mortar. Or did they just give them a license to leave them stuck somewhere in, in bureaucratic red tape? to where they have a license and then they're gonna milk them for all these other fees and then tax them for the actual brick and mortar. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? When right now you have thousands of business owners in New York City of other races that got storefronts opened. You know what I'm saying to you? There were souvenir shops. You go down right now in Times Square, you know the souvenir shops, anybody that ever uh, came to New York City as a tourist, you have uh, around Times Square, you have the tourist shops that sell the postcards, the I Love New York t-shirts and, you know, Statue of Liberty figures. But inside these shops now, they converted part of their stores to a dispensary. So you go in there to get a postcard 
and the Arab is selling weed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go across the street to, to, to get an I Love New York t-shirt and the Indian is selling weed. All of these people are selling weed with no fucking problem. But yet, our people, they still looking hard, riding past the hood. I know you niggas are still selling weed. We have to tax you guys. So if there's any black and brown people, they've been doing it all through the Bronx, running through all the Puerto Ricans, uh, bodegas, and I know y'all selling weed in here. When, why won't you help these business owners legally obtain one? Because they're the minority that you said you're fighting for, right? The minority that you caused the war on drugs against, right? But yet, they're running into these shops and they're seizing all of the proceeds and the money and the products, and some of them are shutting down these people's stores. But yet, you come right here to Manhattan, you got these white people, soccer moms having shops, bright lights, you go in that motherfucker, you think they selling yoga products, that's how serene and how bright the lights are, and it's like, no, nope, soccer mom pull out an A for weed, no difference from a nigga on the corner, but I say that to say this, it's a lot easier for other races to move right into the space, opposed to the people that have expertise, that were that was not doing shit of harm for all these years. Meaning, look at all the years they've been telling us that weed was so dangerous. And now the flip of a switch, everybody got all this weed literature and how how beneficial it is and the soccer mom selling CBD rubs and all kind of shit. And it's like, yo, where was this uh, <laughs> information 20 years ago? But it's here now. But I say that to say this, a lot of these dispensaries are infiltrating our communities with this military-made THC that's fucking with our young people. So keep that in mind, too. There's a lot of sinister things in play, but I'm saying for the people that have knowledge of marijuana like ourselves and, you know, in our communities, that know how to grow it, that know how to market it, that know how to safely create products and sell it, why shouldn't these people be helped? The money's on the table. You guys lobbied for that money and y'all used us yet again. We want to help the people we harmed. Let's right some wrongs. Who wouldn't donate money to that fund for that cause? So they used us as the spokesperson for marijuana gentrification. And now they're setting up dispensaries of ran by other races in our hoods. And we can't participate in the business. Maybe a dispensary might hire one or two of us. But the bank ain't giving you no loan and you're not getting access to this cannabis fund that the governor set up. Crazy shit. But I wanted to go into this story, right? This uh, story dealing with Harlem. So they're, they're putting up a dispensary right across the street from the Apollo Theater. And as a matter of fact, the, the business district, you know, a lot of the merchants in the area, they have since created a petition on change.org. We're going to go over that. They created a petition to stop the governor from allowing this dispensary to open across the street from the Apollo. But here's the thing. The, 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 the petition is like a month too goddamn late. They already signed the lease. So it's like this. How is it that all of these prominent so-called black businesses, nobody let them know that a big ass business was coming right across the street from the Apollo? No city councilmen, no. That, that's how you know your politician sold you out. Fuck, we got a black mayor in New York City. This nigga didn't tell you, hey, matter of fact, 
Eric Adams said, and I quote, it's going to be a great addition to Harlem to add a dispensary. But he's a he's a sold out nigga politician, right? Because everybody think he's for the community, which he isn't. His first proposal was let's not give the people access to the two hundred million dollars. Let's not help the minority like we promised. Let's grow weed on the roof of the fucking projects. That was a proposal of Mayor Adams to grow marijuana on the roof of federal housing buildings. And the federal government said, nigga, you got to be out your mind. One of the, the terms to get you evicted is you can't have any <laughs> dangerous substances in your apartment. So how the fuck can you sell marijuana on the roof? But then it's legal. But then on the federal level, it isn't. This is why the police aren't running down on these illegal shops. The police don't give a fuck. They not even writing tickets for smoking weed. So the sheriff is the only people that have jurisdiction to go around to police this thing. And the so-called cannabis task force they created, which is all a joke as well. But the Apollo Theater is known for its tough crowd for first-time performers. And it's so apparent that the merchants around the feeble venue. So here's the other crazy thing. Right across the street from 125th, there's a historical uh, business called Mart 125th, right? Mart 125th was like a mini mall, a shopping mini mall that was open in the early 80s that a lot of our people, black businesses, they set up shop inside this mall. The city closed that property and it's been closed for almost 20 something years. So, so where to where our merchants, our so-called black and brown business owners or entrepreneurs, they were forced to set up tables on the fucking sidewalk. I'm sure you've been in New York City, you see the street vendors. So it's like they setting up tables to sell their products when they had access to a mini mall that the state purposely closed. But that same location is now going to be the location for the government's marijuana dispensary. Isn't that a spit in the face? These business owners been petitioning for years, open this space up so we won't keep getting tickets on the street for selling products when we're just trying to make a living. So they deduced our people from brick and mortars to fucking tables and chairs on the sidewalk. But then when these people tried to come together to do business, remember one race of people that get ignored. They denied their application to open that Mart 125th so these people could have a legitimate brick and mortar where tourism comes around the world and more people would spend money with them. Falls on deaf ears. But the first chance they get to open the property up, the governor says, we're going to put a weed dispensary there. And a matter of fact, we're not going to tell none of the merchants and business owners in the area. The people didn't even find out until they found out through social media. Where the fuck is your elected officials, yo? They had this thing set up the beginning of 2021, the location, everything, the funding. So how is it you don't know until two weeks before the dispensary set to open? See how they treat our people? See how we like to be get like to get treated? Because why is it that people haven't organized to push back? Now, they only got 700 something signatures for this petition. But the petition is not going to do anything because the governor already approved it. The fight should have been directly to the governor. But all your elected officials, you think they cool for you and they only show up in your neighborhood when it's time to get your vote. The 125th uh, Street Business Improvement District 
has launched a change.org petition in a bid to stop the state licensed marijuana dispensary, see, state licensed, from setting up in the commercial district, saying it will worsen the quality of life for merchants and residents in the area. Crazy shit. The site located at 248 West 125th Street was selected, see? This site was selected by the governor herself. <laughs> and she didn't feel she had to reach out to any of the so-called black business owners in the area. Because a black business is just a nigga trying to hustle. That's how they look at it. You're not respected as a business. Because if I got to call it a black business, you're already disrespecting it. Because if I got a business, I got a business. Why does it have to be emphasized? You don't go to the Chinese spot and say, I'm going to the Asian business. No, the shit's called the Chinese store. You already know who's making the food. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So let's continue. The site located at 248 West 125th Street was selected by the Hokel Controlled State Dormitory Authority. The agency has been uh, scouring sites for the first 28 cannabis licensees and eight not-for-profit groups. See what's going on? So there were a total of 27 licenses given and eight not-for-profit groups. That was only the license that they awarded out of 900 applications. So many of those applications denied for our people. But they said they wanted to help the minority, the people that were affected most by the war on drugs. Bullshit. Please sign this petition to Governor Kathy Hochul opposing the first cannabis dispensary in the state of New York to be located, 248 West 125th, across the street from the world's famous Apollo Theater. So now, this whole thing with this petition, it's like a month too late. The dispensary is set to open this month. This petition is still being circulated, trying to get signatures. They haven't even obtained a thousand signatures. Now, a thousand signatures doesn't bring it in front of an elected official. It just raises it up on change.org, on the platform. It does nothing. But I'm saying as far as they couldn't even get over a thousand signatures from the community. Because it's not really a community. You got all of these business owners most of them are not so-called black-owned businesses. They're all Arabs and merchants and Africans and all these other people that rent these storefronts, but they collectively don't have a body politic. They don't have a group of people that can speak as one, like all these other races do. Because you're not setting up a dispensary in the middle of Bensonhurst, you know what I'm saying, in Jewish Brooklyn, that ain't gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? They are gonna shut that down real quick. You're not gonna set up a dispensary in Koreantown. Asians gonna shut that down real quick. But you can set some shit up across the street from Apollo, cause these niggas don't stick together. They don't stand for shit. This is the consensus. We are urging the governor to reconsider. We do not have a problem with one coming to Harlem. 125th Street is not the right block. We want the governor to understand the challenges we continue to face. Currently, 125th Street requires significant resources to keep it clean and safe. You go on 125th, the historical 125th, you're going to see crackheads and fiends all up and down the block. 
You're going to see people shoplifting and all. It, it, yo, since the pandemic, this shit has gotten crazy out there. So to put a dispensary smack dab in the middle of the hood, you're going to make anybody shopping at the dispensary a target. You're going to make the dispensary itself a target. In fact, a lot of these independent dispensaries, they had to hire their own security because motherfuckers is robbing the shops. They running in the shops and they taking what they want. Why would you want that kind of presence on 125th? But again, no Europeans live on 125th Street. You know, of course, closer to, to the east side, you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying far as prime real estate, 125th Street, that's where our people at. And they're saying, we're going to make money off you niggas. So we're going to set our very first dispensary up in the middle of the hood. So out of all the, the locations, the governor herself and her council was scouring. The first place they picked was across the street from the Apollo. You don't need no marketing. You just say, yo, our, our dispensary is across the street from the Apollo. That's easy to find anywhere in the world. But let's continue back to the, this article from the New York Post. We do not have a problem with one coming to Harlem. 125th Street is not the right block. We want the governor to understand the challenges we continue to face. Currently, 125th Street requires significant resources to keep it safe and clean. Goes on to say, weed is not the type of business the Harlem bid wants to cultivate for its brand. The merchant said, we also, we're also complaining they weren't consulted. See? They didn't have to ask none of the businesses in the area. Hey, are you guys cool with this? But but listen to how the mayor justified why they picked the site. That's how they, they, they treat our people. We just fucking useless eaters to them. The announcement was made without significant community outreach. Considerable opposition to the 125th Street location is developing as more organizations, including the community boards, and residents learn of the governor's decision. So many of the people in the community didn't even know this shit was coming. So they couldn't organize to be an objection to the shit. So guess what? By default, the governor said, nigga, we about to sell weed in the hood. Ain't nothing you niggas can do about it. Nothing your petition can do about it. But it's showing you, look at how outdated our stance is as a people. And we keep thinking that because we elect somebody that looks like us, they actually give a fuck about us. This is all taking place while we got a so-called black mayor in office that proposed we sell weed or grow weed on the roof of the fucking projects. This nigga really said this out loud and he's still in office. The 125th Street bid petition says merchants are grappling with extensive shoplifting in the post-pandemic era with one shop owner spending $1.2 million on private security and having a cannabis shop on Help Matters. See what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're bringing more crime to the area by putting that dispensary there. It's like you're putting a gold mine in the middle of a fucking war zone. You know what I'm saying? Where you got people struggling to make ends meet. Check the check. You know what I'm saying? Many people living, you know, on assistance and all this other stuff. And then you're going to dangle this expensive store in the middle of the hood. What you think going to happen? You ain't got the money to buy the weed. You robbing the nigga that's leaving the dispensary with the weed. Let's keep it a buck. Or you running into the dispensary itself. Why create these conditions so now we become criminals all over again? But that's the plan. Because they make money from locking niggas up. And they make money from selling weed to niggas. 
they make you a customer and a criminal in the same sentence. But it's only being targeted on one particular group of people. See, I'm trying to show this concise is that this stuff isn't, oh, it's just a coincidence. Bullshit. This is systematic racism at its best. Because that's the basis of gentrification, right? We're going to clean up the neighborhood to get you niggas out of it. So you can't afford to live next door to me. You can't afford to shop where I shop. But it looks like under the guise, we're trying to clean the neighborhood up and give people access to better stores and better housing. And that's not the case. They set up shop on your block and they don't leave. It pointed to other violent crimes that have occurred in the front in the same block. A shooting in front of a smoke shop. When one gang member saw another, one at the top of the shop, he pulled out the weapon and started shooting. Innocent people on the sidewalk were shot. Employees quit because of fear. So this is already happening on the same block on 125th. Somebody saw their op in the smoke shop buying some, you know what I mean? Because the smoke shops are selling that, you know, lab made THC. So the young kid seen his op and start firing at this kid right in the fucking smoke shop, hitting bystanders and everybody outside. So what do you think's gonna happen when they get official motherfucking mall sized dispensary right across the street from the Apollo? What you think's about to happen? Where you think the gang's about to hang out at? The niggas gonna be gang gang right outside the dispensary. So now who's gonna be the target? The people coming as tourists? Oh, let's go buy some, some legal marijuana in New York City and across the street from the Apollo. And you come out the store with your marijuana bags, you're a fucking target. Anybody that knows back in the day when you was shopping Soho, niggas would follow the person with the most bags in their hand. Oh, that's a victim. We getting them. So if I see you come out of the dispensary with five or six bags, I'm following you. Now I'm, now I'm going to rob you for what you just purchased. So they're telling you all of this stuff is going to happen in the community. Why didn't y'all consult the community before you even thought about making this a location for a government dispensary. But again, they don't give a fuck because it's not their community. There was a shooting across from where the proposed marijuana dispensary was located. See, somebody got shot on the same block of the fucking Apollo. Nobody checked the data to say, man, this is a crime-ridden area. You think it'd be cool to set up a, a trap house right in the middle of all this crime? Right. There was a shooting across from where the proposed marijuana dispensary would be located. One gang member encountered another gang member and started shooting, causing people on the street to run into the stores. Fearing for their lives, one person was shot in the leg. A shooting and murder happened near the Apollo when a group attacked a person carrying drugs, trying to take the drugs from him. He fought to keep his drugs and was shot and killed in broad daylight next to the Apollo. All of this shit's been happening since the pandemic started. So they said, ah, this is a perfect block. A lot of shit going on here. Niggas will be so calm once they buy this weed from us that they'll stop committing crime. Really? Is that the plan? One Harlem resident complained, the cannabis shop on 125th will be smoke shop on steroids. Big facts. You already see the crime and everything happening when niggas is robbing the smoke shops and robbing niggas coming from the smoke shop. What you think gonna happen when they got a mall-sized dispensary? That's easy to find. Bright lights, right on Front Street. The community fears is understandable and real. The pro-business group said, 
Other complaints include drug use in the vestibule of businesses and bank ATMs. Banks on 125th Street close their ATMs early and some do not open them at night. You know how they have uh, the, you know, you can swipe your card and buzz yourself into the, the bank ATM, you know, get inside the doors. They had to close that because fiends would find a way to break into there and they would be shooting dope inside the bank while the bank's closed. This is all on 125th, right? So this is where they decide to sell weed at legally, sanctioned by the government. There's also more homelessness and uh, mentally ill individuals on the street and is an increase in graffiti and illegal street vendoring, according to the business group. So keep in mind, you got more people trying to make money in the area. They didn't obtain a permit to be a street vendor where they could just set up a table where you should just legally be allowed to sell whatever the fuck you want to sell, but they can't tax it. So they make you go through these channels. So you have people just trying to make some money. If they don't have a permit, they give you a citation. Many of them take your products that you're trying to sell. So they're pushing you into some crime shit. Let's say you're legally trying to sell your products on the sidewalk. They give you a citation to shut you down. Fuck it. I might as well rob the dispensary. I might as well rob a nigga coming out of the dispensary. I might as well hit a lick. So they're closing in on the choices that our people have to do commerce. In fact, they're 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 making the choice for you. We gonna sell the weed for you. All you niggas gotta do is just keep smoking the weed. We don't want you being business owners and getting into this billion dollar industry. Oh no, no, no. That was never set up. The war on drugs was to keep you niggas out of selling weed once it became legal. So now look at this here. Aaron uh, Jitman, a spokesman for the state Office of Cannabis Management, responded. The Office of Cannabis Management deeply appreciates feedback from the community members. How do they appreciate the feedback when they never told the community until after they already had an opening date for the fucking dispensary in the community? But this is, you know, nice PR shit. The Office of Cannabis Management deeply appreciates feedback from the community members and looks forward to continuing discussions with local stakeholders. Once open, these legal regulated businesses will begin operations and make meaningful impacts in their community. Meanwhile, Mayor Eric Adams, during a press conference Thursday, where he focused on cracking down on unlicensed weed shops suggested the legal pot store by the Apollo would be a good thing. See, this is a black mayor that didn't talk to none of the people in this town, none of the people in the district, none of these people, none of the merchants, none of the business owners. But the mayor comes out and say, that's going to be a great thing. In fact, I'm going to help push this cannabis task force to lock down these unlicensed weed shops. Keep in mind. Many of the people that were arrested for having unlicensed businesses, they were selling uh, weed inside their vans, mobile dispensaries. Many of those are from the black and brown community. See what's going on? See how we're still a target in a world where... So they're basically saying you can't legally... Or, or how, how would I say this? You're illegally selling legal marijuana. There it is. If you're from the black and brown community public enemy number one you're out here legally selling excuse me you're out here illegally selling legal marijuana if you're from the black and brown community you could be arrested 
for illegally selling legal marijuana. So Mayor, Mayor Eric Adams says they're going to work on cracking down on these unlicensed weed shops. Now listen to the quote from the mayor. You smoke a joint, you get the munchies. You go to the bodega, you get something to eat. So what they're trying to say is business going to be booming for you niggas. Your corner store going to make money because all of these potheads going to be coming out here and everybody's going to spend money. But that's not how that works. If I don't got no money to buy no fucking munchies, I'm catching a lick. See what's going on? What if I don't have money to buy the weed? Oh, I got a gun. What if I rob a nigga coming out of the dispensary? Now I got his money, his weed, and then I can go to the bodega. But, but why create a host of criminals in the area to take advantage of the opportunity? Like, that shit makes no sense, yo. Like, all of those businesses you could have helped set up little small shops and... Because y'all were supposed to be looking out for the minority, as you say. But y'all opened a motherfucking Walmart of weed stores and shit ran by the government across the street from the Apollo. And that's supposed to help our community? How? They didn't say, yo, all of the employees we're going to hire are going to be from Harlem, from the community. Nah, that's not what they're saying. Not in the slightest. Goes on to say, one recent study claimed there are likely tens of thousands of illicit cannabis businesses currently operating out of bodegas, smoke shops, and other storefronts in New York City, which they are. But they're only running into the hoods, black and brown people, you know what I'm saying? Melanated people hitting up in the Bronx, getting the Puerto Rican bodegas and, and the Dominican shops, and they hitting all of those people. But you come to Manhattan, the soccer moms are selling weed on, on 8th Avenue. Getting it, you know what I'm saying? This is our CBD shop. Mike, bitch, you selling weed. Like, <laughs> I don't care how you dress it up. You're selling weed, mom. Like, we been did that, you feel me? Like, And the crazy part why... I'm taking so much um, interest in this story. Many of us were affected by the war on drugs, myself included. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was arrested previously for selling weed. I was public enemy number one. I was a, a, a menace to society, as the prosecutor stated. In fact, I was in a situation where I beat a case, but I was in a situation where I'm just out selling weed and a cop, because I beat one case and I'm out, a detective chased me down with his fucking car. Tried to kill me. What are you talking about, bro? You tripping. He tried to kill you. Literally. I went to eternal affairs. Tried to, you know, press the issue and everything. But I'm peeling off down the block. Riding riding on the ride on the bike. On a mountain bike. And it's the detective. I knew this dirty cop from the area. So I see him. He's like, man, you know. He tells me. one No, one other cop before I see him. He tells me, get off the bike. You know, you can't be riding in this area. And I'm like, well, you know. I'm not breaking no laws, but they knew I was out, you know, selling weed, right? So anyway, the cops on a four-wheeler and I'm like, I'm like, nigga, you on a slow ass four-wheeler. I'm cutting through streets and side alleys. I'm like, man, I ain't listening to this nigga. I'm about to dip off. So I peel down the block. I'm out. And as I'm, you know, getting away from this so-called officer, I'm tossing all the shit I got, you know, got weed on me. I'm throwing shit. It's that never tossing shit in the storm drain. And by the time I see this detective come flying up the block, he's like, pull the fuck over, pull up, right? He didn't even have a, a siren on his car. He pulls over. He sees me reaching. Now, I got arrested for a gun charge previously, so I don't know if he thought I was reaching for a pistol or something. He hits me with his car. Hits me while I'm on the bike. I fall. I fly like 30 feet in the air and land on my face. Now, I don't know anybody that ever hit the cement, but I landed 
30 feet in the air and I and I broke my fall on my face. I actually bust the blood vessels in my eye and everything. Like, good thing I didn't have to get plastic surgery or anything. Like, it healed, but my injuries were so significant. I had on a white t-shirt and I'm just like rubbing, you know, my, my eye or whatever. My, my sleeves were completely red. That's how much blood was like coming out of my eye. And they, the cops hit me right across the street from the police station. They didn't even take me to the hospital. They put me in in the in the, uh, the cuffs and put me, matter of fact, they didn't even put me in the car. They walked me across the street to the police station. But it was so crazy. And that's how I know the creator was watching my life that 10 seconds before, 10 seconds uh, after he hit me, the light had changed. So it was three lanes of traffic coming down. I would have been thrown into ongoing traffic. I would have been killed instantly. But by the grace of the creator, when, when this cop hit me, all I had in my hand was a cigar and a bag of weed. So when they, when I came to, the cops looking and it's like seven of the cops standing around like, Yo, we almost fucking killed this kid. And all we got on the charge is a bag of weed. That's a possession. This kid won't even get arrested. That's a citation. That's a ticket. It's before weed was legal, right? This was in New Jersey. So I get up. And I look, but then the cops are looking at the magnitude like, we almost fucking killed this kid. We almost threw this nigga into ongoing traffic. This kid could have broke his neck. Could have been dead instantly. And this kid got blood squirting out his eye, his blood vessel. His eye is like literally fucking red in the inside. It's not even white. My eye was totally red. And I had some bruises on my arms and my and my knees from breaking my fall. So the cop, there, there's an a ambulance that comes to the back of the police station. they like, you know, does he need medical attention? I'm trying to stand up. Like, bro, I want to go to the hospital. Like, these motherfuckers hit me with their car. Nah, he don't need no medical attention. So I'm in the cell one night. I'm supposed to leave that same night. I'll see the judge. It's, it's a citation. It's a ticket, right? That doesn't happen. The cops start to panic. I'm in the police station the following night. I'm the only person still in the holding cell waiting to find out what I'm charged with. When they told me initially, I'm only charged with possession simple possession right so i'm inside this cell the following night i'm the only person going to the county jail without uh, a charge sheet right anybody that been arrested you know about that green sheet or sometimes it's white so it'll tell you a list of charges so now i get this green sheet when i get to the, the county jail and they tell me yeah you had an ounce of dope on you dope like i don't even sell dope i'm like wait a minute so the cop not only hit me with his cop car tried to kill me they planted an ounce of dope on me. So I'm going to the county. My bell's $100,000, no 10%. Anybody know about that? You know about that no 10%? So they had it to where, you know, my, my, my mom and family members, everybody's, you know, going back to the court, trying to get the bell reduction and everything. So it took like a week and a week and a half for that. But in that time, my injuries, you know, didn't look as severe as they were when I first got arrested. So they were trying to cover their ass, even in the case all the cops lied in the case. One cop said, my car was right behind this cop's car. My cop, my car was behind his car. So they all lied and said that I ran into the cop with my bike, which makes no fucking sense. I'm five, seven, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they tried to say I fought off like six fucking cops, but they picked me up across the street from the police station. But, but I'm going through all of this because all of this was about weed. But this same cop, two years later gets arrested for shooting his wife same cop that hit me with his car tried to kill me for selling weed this motherfucker kills his wife and then shoots himself he probably was high on coke when this nigga tried to pull me over 
but but look at this war on drugs that we're talking about. It's the reason why I'm sharing my story. So I take a personal interest in this where now we, we have the right to sell something that wasn't a fucking problem to begin with. It was all about taxation. We're cut out of this market yet again. We got to meet this long list of criteria. My nigga, y'all try to kill me for selling weed. I should be at the top of the fucking list. I should get a grant. I should get a loan. Any bank should back what I'm trying to do. I'm selling a product that sells itself, that doesn't harm anyone, that has endless benefits. Do you know the hemp product is the number one product of the Navy and the Army? All of the, the ships, the ropes, the uniforms, the Navy uniforms, the Army uniforms, they're all made out of the hemp plant. One of the strongest fibers, stronger than cotton. They knew this shit was always about money. It wasn't about, you. I'm selling something to kill the community. Name me one person that died from smoking a blunt. You smoke weed, you laugh, you giggle, you might get some pussy. That's about it. You're not trying to kill nobody. But here's the danger. Listen to the part one I got on my podcast. The marijuana uh, gentrification. Excuse me. That gentrification is this part one. Part one was the marijuana reparations, where I go over the dangers of this military synthetic THC. So now they have a level of synthetic weed that's out here that makes the kids violent. That make you want to turn up. So wouldn't that be a good reason to put a dispensary that's going to sell medical marijuana or military marijuana in a community where people are already going through shit? That's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to put this gold mine in the middle of the hood around all this poverty. Because we're trying to help them. Niggas can't even buy weed from the dispensary. So why are you putting that shit on 125th? Who are you trying to patronize? Or they just going to get those pennies from the hood because every dollar count, right? I get it. So the crazy part about all this, the judge in that case was my mom's second cousin. Nigga, a nigga, right? Because ain't nobody going to tap dance better than a nigga than a nigga. The, the judge was my mom's second cousin. He didn't even know he was related to me. I knew, but I'm, I'm in the court like he's talking to me like crazy. Like I'm a menace to society. Oh my God, this guy should see jail time. I've never been in a case where the judge was arguing with the prosecutor. The prosecutor was like, yo, we fucked up. The cops almost killed this kid. We want to dismiss everything against this nigga. The judge is arguing with, I still think he deserves jail time. Excuse me, your honor. Are you practicing law from the bench, my nigga? Because you're a mediator. That's why I said in the courtroom. Are you practicing law from the bench, your honor? Fuck all that advice you're trying to give me, my nigga. You got no say-so in this case. But it was ironic that this motherfucker was my family member. And he couldn't see the injustice that was caused by the state and by the fucking police, all behind marijuana. Which, a few years later, they expunged my entire fucking record. So what was it all for? What was it all for? That's my thing. It's like, yo, they made all this money, caused all this hurt on this motherfucking so-called war on drugs on black and brown communities. And now they raising all this money to say, we trying to help y'all. And yet, you can't name five black people, Puerto Rican people, that got a fucking license. But we all are victims of this drug war, right? Meanwhile, Becky can set up her shop, don't know shit about selling weed, but she got the business portfolio and everything, and she's lit. And Bank of America won't let her open up her weed shop. They got the money on deck. They'll never do this for us. 
They'll never do this for us. So continuing on, right? This whole thing with this dispensary is disturbing. And the fact that they didn't have to consult the community. And even after the community said, yo, we got a problem with it. They're still moving forward. They like, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> we got to get money, my nigga. We don't give a fuck. Shit just happens. Shit, shit happens, B. You know what I'm saying? It happens every day, B. So I say that to say this, that there's things that we can do to combat this. But I want to I wanna add just this last layer, right? This last layer of the story. Now, there is since been created because other races, they're going to get their money. They're going to get their money out of this shit. They know that we're not going to come together collectively as a people to get what's due us. The Asians have since created an Asian cannabis council. Nigga, they created an Asian round table. The Asians said, y'all not going to cut us out of selling weed, my nigga. Oh, we want in. Because guess what? Asians are classified as minorities too. So when you keep seeing this legislation and you think, oh, minorities, they're going to help the black and brown community. No, my nigga, they're going to help the yellow community and whatever other crayon you subscribe to. Because anyone that's not classified as white, they're considered a minority, which means the Indian, the Arab, all of them. And they're all coming together collectively as a people. And they're going to get part of that money. They're going to get their loan for their dispensary. Our people are still in the dark. Don't even know what time it is. But I want to go over this and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Disturbing shit. So this whole thing with 125th, you know, the people are a month too late, like they always are. And your elected officials sold you out yet again. So let's look at this here, right? And they also set up another dispensary uh, in the village, as I said. So there's two so-called legal dispensaries operating in New York City. But there's thousands <laughs> of unlicensed ones, licensed ones that are all setting up shop. So here we go right here, right? The first of the few uh, dispensaries that were set up. Now, a lot of people have been issued licenses, but they haven't even told them the location where they could put their dispensary. So it's like kind of like they taking people's money, but then they going to probably hit them with a fee later on about their dispensary right so the state's plan pairs the individual curd uh, license holders with ready-to-go retail locations as well as access to loans an important component in helping these businesses succeed because of the difficulties cannabis businesses have in screening loans through regular banking means it is also an effort to ensure that the people who've been punished by old drug laws not only get a head start but enough of a foothold that they don't get pushed out when bigger players enter the market. In order to pay for the built out of dispensaries and help with the loans, the state created a $200 million social equity cannabis investment fund. The DASNY awarded management of the fund to Social Equity Impact Ventures LLC. The private venturing team, including NBA star Chris Weber, former city comptroller Bill Thompson, and entrepreneur Levette Willis. The team is tasked with raising $150 million of the total amount for private investors. So now, you got Chris Weber, basketball player, you got the city comptroller, and you got an entrepreneur that came together to raise this money for this fund that's supposed to be awarded to minorities. 
remember what I said. Minorities is key word for everybody else that isn't a European. But again, the Europeans are tapping into this fun too because they're finding loopholes to be classified as a minority too. Because guess what? A white woman is also considered a minority. Gotcha. So a soccer mom can get a loan from Bank of America to open a dispensary in the middle of your hood. Checkmate. Welcome to marijuana gentrification. Despite that, the fund has yet to announce whether it has raised any money toward the fund. Syracuse.com reported that Weber and Willis had interest in the cannabis brand's cookie, a potential conflict, and that other ventures from the two have failed to produce results. See what's going on? Everybody's throwing money into this shit because it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So everybody's trying to get paid. They don't give a fuck about making or righting a wrong. Like, yo, let's take care of the people that we victimized. The people that we criminalized for so long. Nah, we ain't taking care of those people. They're going to be some of our best customers. In fact, we don't even give up. So now, there's a, a minority, a brother that received his card. But look at this. Keyshawn Warner, whose business received a curd license to operate in Manhattan, said Wednesday that he had not heard from the state about where his dispensary will be located or about any relevant like uh, regulations, such as rules for deliveries, until he's able to open a storefront. See? How they give you a license when you don't even have a storefront? See the problem? So they'll, they'll, they'll take all your money for the application fee and the licensing fee, and then... My nigga, you got big property tax. You got to actually get the storefront and all this other stuff. So do you see how they're making it even harder for us? But it looks at on the surface like they're the people we're trying to help. And this shit is fucked up, yo. And all of these politicians are selling you out, all these public officials and all your celebrities and everybody getting behind it. And we're just running around so geeked off the fact that we can buy weed legally. Like, my nigga, you trying to do business or you just trying to stay a fucking customer? Let's look at this here. New York's Governor Hochul announced yesterday that the sale of legal marijuana will start on December 29th at a dispensary in Manhattan, making a cornerstone achievement of the cannabis legislation in Empire State. So the first uh, dispensary to open, aside from this one, is about to open in Harlem this month. The shop will be run by AIDS HIV service organization, called housing work one of the 36 winners of the conditional adult use retail dispensary cards housing cannabis works incorporated located at 750 broadway in manhattan's astor place neighborhood will be open seven days a week from 11 a.m to 7 p.m so you mean to tell me a non-profit hiv aids and homeless organization opens up the first dispensary you can't make this shit up marijuana regulations launched the conditional adult use retail dispensary card program to issue retail licenses to individuals and nonprofit organizations who were subjected to marijuana related offenses had run a successful business for at least two years and had a significant presence in new york listen to the criteria for the card you have to have been arrested for marijuana offenses you have to ran a successful business for two years and have a significant presence in new york city see what's going on 
I'm about to show you something about that too. Cause the Asians found the loophole. All I gotta do is find me a nigga that was arrested and I can add him a part of my council. Right. Pay attention to the chess move. I'm about to give some game up. So this whole thing is disturbing, yo. Because as it goes on, you're gonna see more and more races get access to the fund and more and more banks gonna be more lenient towards approving these applications of other races. But they're gonna make it a point to never approve a bank loan from anybody of black and brown communities. You can't you can't make this shit up, yo. But but I love I love the fact that this particular podcast is gonna cover this type of content because you're not gonna see this stuff on your mainstream news. You're not gonna see this on your popular podcasts that are out there. The talking heads, people are, are just putting out stories to distract you all the while your world is changing around you. The world is changing for your babies. Now look at this here. Asian Cannabis Roundtable launches in New York City. See, all these other races, they say, yo, it's strength in numbers. And our people won't unify under anything. Niggas won't unify under the guise of selling legal weed. Like, like what, what would we unify under if we don't unify under this? What will bring us together? Because niggas was unified in the line when they was getting those chicken sandwiches from Popeye's. Niggas was unified when they was doing stupid challenges and the crate challenge and all this other dumb shit and whatever you see on TikTok. But when it comes to business and securing financial futures for your babies, niggas don't care. We just want to get high. But all these other races, they see the writing on the wall and they all getting access to that money because they're all minorities too. A group focused on representing and promoting Asian voices in the marijuana industry is holding its first event, a Lunar New Year party. After forming its inaugural board of directors, they got a board of directors. See, they not playing. They got politicians in their pocket. They saying, yo, we're going to go get some of that money. We're going to come together as one body so we could scout and get locations for dispensaries in the Asian community because Asians smoke weed, too. Ain't no such thing as racist weed. You know what I'm saying? Weed is weed. Goes on to say, a group of focused representatives in promoting Asian voices in the marijuana industry is holding its first event, a Lunar New Year party. The Asian Cannabis Roundtable announces its picks for the group's 12-person board of directors, which includes a number of well-known players in and around New York's cannabis industry. First and foremost, we want to make sure the interests of Asian people... Why, why haven't we came together to create a council for the black and brown community? Why don't we got some of these celebrities and entertainers saying, you know what, I'm going to be a spokesperson for my people so they all can get access to this fund. But we got Chris Webber, this, <laughs> a part of raising this money, and he's a part of our community, but hey, Chris Webber ain't in the same tax bracket as you. So he might look like you, but he's talking about business for those that know business. And that's the problem. We're emotional and we think because someone look like us that they're fighting for us. Not so. Goes on to say, first and foremost, we want to make sure the interests of Asian people are being pushed forth in cannabis. Said Kristen Jordan, president of ACR's board and founder and CEO, Park Jordan, a cannabis focused real estate broker an advisory service firm, they got real estate firms a part of their council. 
Are you connecting the dots here, people? We got real estate firms sitting on our board. So when we get this cannabis funding and these loans and all this capital, we're going to have the prime real estate to set up our ventures. How many of our people are thinking like that? All of this shit is passing us up. The Roundtable, a New York-based organization with members across the country and in Canada, has been meeting informally for about six years. They're they not playing. They seen this shit coming before it came. We just seeing, oh, this state's making it illegal tomorrow. And that these people have been following this shit and waiting on this moment for a decade. He's still out here just looking for who got the best apes. Jordan said, but recently established itself as a formal entity. ACR will host its first Lunar New Year party on New York City on January 20th. And a board and board members will get together the following day for the first official meeting. ACR also plans to coordinate an annual national policy summit with other cannabis stakeholder groups. ACR also plans to, accord, to coordinate an annual national policy summit with other cannabis stakeholder groups and a yearly fundraiser gala on the West Coast. Jordan said ACR's first ever board is stacked with qualified appointees who are well versed in the cannabis industry and stakeholder issues. Among the group's advisory board is NYS Senator, New York State Senator Jeremy Cooney. They got senators, they got elected officials a part of the Asian board, the cannabis board. We're not even thinking like this. In fact, None of our public officials even told us they were setting some shit up in Harlem. Think they could do that in Chinatown? Jeremy Cooney, New York uh, State Senator Jeremy Cooney, who told New York Cannabis Insider he has a deep understanding for the relationship between cannabis and New York's Asian American community. Hmm, don't say. Representation in this space since the launch of the medicinal program I am fully supportive of the great AAPI representation in the newly adult use recreational market, Cooney said. According to the press release, ACRs, which is the Asian Cannabis Roundtable, the Asian Cannabis Roundtable inauguration, inauguration board includes Kristen Jordan. See, they got other races on their board for the Asians. See, they went to the experts. Kristen Jordan, founder and president, Jordan is the CEO of Park Jordan and founder of Medina and the Mays Calendar. Esther Kim, vice president. Kim is a NYC, New Jersey native, attorney and activist in the cannabis industry. They got attorneys, they got brokerage firms, real estate agents, growers. All these people are a part of their Asian cannabis roundtable. Jordan Taylor, Jordina Taylor, Secretary. Taylor is the Director of Membership Relations of the U.S. Cannabis Council. Peter Sue is the Treasurer. Sue is a Senior Vice President of Greek Check Verified, Green Check Verified. Alan Ayo, Founder and CEO of Vigor Dispensaries. Annie Falutes, Head of Strategic Growth and Dutchy. Looks like they got all their ducks in a row. Jeremy Cooney, advisor, advisory board member. Cooney is a New York State Senator for the Rochester area. 
Dr. June Chen, advisor board member. Dr. Chen has specialized in holistic medicine for over 15 years. Kiko Beatty, founder and director of education and outreach for Coral Cove Wellness Resort. John Ning, founder and president of A Turner Cannabis. Wei Wei Feldman, founder of Kota Botanics. John Herderia, CEO of Cannaburo and a cannabis lawyer who focuses on cannabis law, education, and consulting. Sounds like they got all their ducks in a row. Matter of fact, they create uh, an event at the Hazy House every year. Several dozen members of the New York City Asian American cannabis community came together to do their part, helping the state create the most inclusive market for marijuana in the U.S., including Asians. Now look at this here. Despite this booming population, Asians have lagged in most cannabis markets outside of the West Coast, often representing small portions of ownership and the workforce. Recent data from MG Biz Daily found that Asians and Pacific Islanders own single-digit percentages of the cannabis market. In Nevada, 6.3%, Colorado, 4%, 3.8%, and Michigan. But they about to own 100% in New York City. They not playing. All of these Asians that was on the stock market and the tech, they all getting into marijuana. Meanwhile, minority leadership fell, with 13.1% of cannabis businesses having minority executive leadership in 2021, down from 28% and now 16%. A pan-Asian pot occasion assembled by NYC-based cannabis attorney Wu Wei Wu, the event aimed to embrace a co-op spirit and bring together individuals of various cultural and cannabis backgrounds. New York Senator Jessica Ramos served as the night's unofficial guest of honor. So they had two New York senators attend their event for the Asian Cannabis Roundtable. How many of us is meeting with these people to tell them what we want for our communities in regards to marijuana production and the sell of it? You can't, you can't make this shit up, you know. But, but in, in closing, right, because you still have thousands of our people that are still in jail for sale of marijuana in a state where it's now legal. So we have to be real cognizant of the changes that are taking place around us. Because last I checked, hip-hop and weed goes hand-in-hand, hand, right? All of the rappers got their own strands out now, right? So it's like... It's no way around this to where your kid is going to either have an edible, they're going to smoke some weed. Like, this is the culture. So what if your child wants to create a business? Are you going to give them the, the, the steps and the education to successfully compete in this new market? Or are you going to allow them to be closed out? I'm still reiterating this, and this shit touches my heart because a cop tried to fucking kill me with his cop car because I was selling weed, my nigga. Now a fucking soccer mom can sell pounds of that shit. And they won't even hire a nigga like me. But I'm not looking to get hired, motherfucker. I want to set up my own business too. Isn't that the American way? Is capitalism? 
yet they're going to set it in place because they know our people lack the information as to what's going on and how to approach them. But all these other races, they're getting their strategy together. They see the writing on the wall. It's like hip-hop took over the world. Nigga, weed's about to take over the world. You ain't know? You ain't know? Now they talking about moving on to uh, philocybins. They talking about having, you know, mushroom coffee and, and microdosing. This shit's about to be the next legal thing. Cocaine business controls America. Drugs always made this shit go round. In fact, they said in, in the 80s, 90% of all the money, if you tested it, it would have traces of cocaine on it. You know, niggas was using, rolling up dollars and shit, snorting cocaine. So, drugs and money goes hand in hand in this country. Now that this shit is legal, they're only fighting the fact that you're selling some shit we can't tax. I'm not buying a $28 bag of, of weed, my nigga. We're not doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That makes no sense. But they're creating a way to rev up the taxes and to tax the people that have the best, best expertise on the subject. They keep saying we're going to be the first in line to get access to this. Well, out of the 28 license they gave away, none of them shits had nothing to do with us. And the only brother that got the license, he don't even know the location of his dispensary. He don't even have one. So how did they give him a license? Because he probably had the money to afford the license and, you know, they seen a Vic. Let's get that bag from this nigga. <laughs> it's all good. But I just want us to be more hands-on with this shit. More organization needs to be happening amongst our community. Because one, we haven't organized on the conversation of reparations. That's why they don't have to talk to us. Because it's like, who the fuck we talk to? When all of these niggas are scattered and they won't even have a conversation amongst themselves. Same thing with the weed shit. We ain't got to give none of this grant money to, to these black and brown communities because they can't even come together to see what the fuck's going on. They don't even know what's going on. And everybody in their communities fending for themselves. But all of these smoke shops ran by the Arabs, they out here getting this money. But they selling a lot of this military weed to the hood. Fucking up the kids, B. You don't know where niggas got their strands from. None of this shit is tested. And a lot of them got fake lab tested bags that show you the lab it was tested at. All that shit is counterfeit. You can buy these bags on Amazon. The more this uh, business becomes prevalent in our day-to-day -day society, the more corruption is going to come with it. The more corrupt politicians are going to make sure that other races get a foot up than you yet again they cut out our people but here's the thing what you don't know can and will hurt you and that's the thing we gotta get more of the knowledge as to what the fuck is really going on around us cause we slaving and check to check and busting our ass and like all of the niggas they locked up for weed instead of so we gonna let everybody out give them a license they saying nah every other race is about to legally be a part of this business and you'll be the last one on the list. He probably still be locking niggas up for weed. But just justify that. It's like 30 states that have it legal. Why is there 20-something states that don't have it legal? What's that about? Because they don't need the tax money. 
See what I'm saying? It's not a, it's not a, a level as if this stuff is harmful in one state because my nigga, if it's legal in one state, why the fuck it ain't legal in your state? I can smoke a blunt and blow the smoke over the state line. Like, did I commit a crime? The smoke goes over there? This shit makes no sense. But even in a state where weed is legal, the feds can still seize your shit. All I see is a bunch of bureaucrats eating off of this motherfucking weed shit. And they all about to get paid. And all the while, our people that should be benefiting from this the most, they getting cut out of this shit again. And I think it's fucked up. And I think if you are of any other race and you hear this story, call your, your elected officials and, and, and inquire about this shit. Why don't these people have the same opportunity as me? You don't understand privilege and bias and what racism is, is designed from? It's designed from that. Because on the surface, we think, oh my God, they're going to help all these people that were victims of the war on drugs. And that's not happening. That ain't fucking happening. I almost got killed by a cop by his car. Ran me the fuck over for selling weed that now Becky the soccer mom can sell. No fucking problem on 8th Avenue. With a bright light store. I got a problem with that. Not a problem with Becky. A problem with the officials that are allowing it to happen. To where there's bias. If the shit's legal, it's legal. Right? Why do you even need a license to begin with? I understand the licensing in terms of testing your products and all this other stuff, but to set up an actual business and do commerce, that's the American way, isn't it? But as I said, an Asian can come to the hood, get a bulletproof glass, and they could make a fortune in the hood. Just protect yourself from those niggas, but you don't have to live around them, but you can get paid off of them. And that's why the governor feels, and the mayor feels it's okay to set up a dispensary in the middle of Harlem where all the people are going through so much fucking poverty and pain and crime and all this other crazy post-pandemic bullshit. That's what we need, just more weed, huh? Or more military weed. I get it. I am your host, JF Bay. This is the Third Eye High podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep you lightly. And if you enjoyed the build that you heard, share the build. Continue to listen to the podcast. The Third Eye High podcast is available on all podcast streaming platforms. Apple, Amazon, Anchor, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we're there. If you want to support the podcast, you can hit the cash app. Dollar sign, far out flow. F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O. W. And as I said, you paid attention. So you already spent your donation. Much obliged. Until next time, salute to everyone tuning in. Get off here, get more, and do more with your 24. And this has been part two of the series on the marijuana gentrification. Salute to everyone tuning in. Peace, love, and more light.